Hey, listeners, this is your host, Rob Flack O'Hara. If you're looking for a way to support my podcast, here are three quick things you can do. Number one, visit iTunes and review the show. More reviews help get the word out. Number two, visit patreon.com forward slash Rob O'Hara and support my shows. A dollar a month helps a little, and five bucks a month helps a whole lot more and gets you some neat things in return. Number three, tell a friend about the show by sharing links to your favorite episodes via social media. As always, thanks for listening and supporting my podcasts. And now, on with the show. gaming, retro computing, video games, arcade games, and technology from a guy who was there and still is. My name is Rob O'Hara, but for the next 30 minutes, you can call me Flat. Greetings and salutations, listeners, and welcome to another episode of You Don't Know Flack. Today is August 17th, 2016, and I am your host, Rob Flack O'Hara. On today's episode of You Don't Know Flack, we will be talking about Y2K. Remember the Y2K bug? I sure do. Uh, We have a few minutes. Uh, I've stored this week's notes on my handy-dandy Commodore 64, so as I load those and transfer those notes over to my computer, we have a few minutes to chat during this week's loading time. Loading time. Loading time. Loading time. Well, hello and welcome back to another episode of You Don't Know Flack. Uh, I have a few things jotted down for news for this week. The first and probably the one that many of you may have seen on social media over the past day or so uh, is that I have put some of my podcasts on hiatus. I am taking a break from Sprite Castle, uh, from Cactus Flax, uh, pretty much all of the shows that I've been working on, except for this one and Throwback Reviews. Uh, Throwback Reviews is the retro movie podcast that Sean and I do, and we do it approximately once a month, and sometimes we even miss a month. So (laughs) it's definitely uh, not a big chunk out of my schedule. But uh, Sprite Castle and Cactus Flax are. They're taking up uh, a lot of time and... uh, I'm getting ready. Next week, I start going back to school. I'm taking 10 credit hours. I'm working on that uh, master's degree in professional writing. I have a lot of projects that I need to finish. I have the audiobook version of Commodore that I need to finish up. Uh, I have a book, The Collector of Collections, that I hope to have finished and published by the end of this year. For school, I will be writing a full novel and trying to get that published and just a lot of stuff with kids going back to school and everything else. And I just don't have enough time in the day, minutes in the hour, days of the month. I've messed them all up, (laughs) but they all mean the same thing. Uh, and I just don't have enough time right now for everything. So, uh, those shows are not gone. I'm just taking a little step back from them. They will Return probably uh, as things wind down towards the end of the semester, closer to the holidays. 
Um, but uh, for right now, we're going to put those on the shelf. And we'll still be here for You Don't Know Flack. So I hope if you listen to those shows and you've switched over, uh, I will probably add some more arcade and Commodore-related news and content to this show just to um, make up for those shows being away for the time being. So if you already listened to the show, you know what this show is about. It's about old technology and old things and sometimes new things and sometimes not technology. <laughs> really, it's about whatever I've been thinking about over the past week or so. Uh, but uh, if you are a fan of those shows, I hope that you uh, give You Don't Know Flack a, uh, a test run and see if you enjoy listening to it as well. Uh, if you uh, follow me on Facebook or Twitter or read my blog, at robohara.com, you may have seen my blog post about my Apple II, which unceremoniously exploded <laughs> a few weeks ago. Um, I had just downloaded Ancient Legends, which is the new role-playing game uh, for the Apple II. There's supposed to be a Commodore port, which I'm also excited about. Uh, I was uh, playing it, and... Uh, the game started glitching and I thought, Oh boy, I found a bug. Things aren't working right. And right after that, I heard a loud pop and smoke started pouring out of my poor Apple II. Uh, it's an Apple II E. And the reason I have an Apple II E is because that is the, uh, Apple I own that takes internal cards. And I have a CFFA 3000, which is a card that has a USB port that allows you to load Apple II disc images from a USB stick. So um, my Apple II is kaput, but it is the power supply, and it's only a capacitor. So it um, it seems like a simple repair, but several people on Twitter said that instead of, uh, what's the phrase, throwing bad money after good, yeah, instead of just fixing one capacitor and then having another one blow up, that I should just replace the whole power supply with a newer um, a, uh, power supply replacement kit. And so that's what I'm hoping to do. Um, unfortunately the place that offers those is currently their stores currently closed and the power supplies are back ordered. But as soon as the store opens and the power supplies are available, I will be ordering one. And I watched a video of a guy installing it. It doesn't look that difficult. So, uh, I, f I feel pretty confident that it's in my wheelhouse of, uh, of simple repairs I could, I could personally do. So I'm looking forward to that. You know, I, I've, uh, uh, that you can always argue what's better, the real thing or emulation. And I've always said, um, that there's a place for both, which just gets people on both ends of the spectrum to argue with me. <laughs> the emulation people argue with me, uh, and the real physical hardware people argue with me. You know, my, I used to, um, to say, you know, for people that, don't uh, uh, think that there's a place for emulation. Have you ever tried, you know, hooking up a Commodore 64 on a flight? Uh, because you can do that with your laptop and, and emulation. Uh, it's a whole lot easier when I go on trips to play Commodore games uh, and Apple II games and things like that through emulation. So it does have a place. Um, but I do also enjoy having the physical hardware, except for um, when it blows up <laughs> and smoke comes out. So... You know, I like them both. I like having the real thing. I also appreciate the ease of emulation. So I'm looking forward to getting my Apple II uh, back up and running. And I found out it's a 2E Platinum. I don't know that much about Apple computers. Um, 
and I knew that I had another working Apple II down in the garage. So I brought it up, and it turns out it's just a, um, I guess, like an earlier edition Apple IIe. It's not a Platinum, so it doesn't have a 80-column card. It doesn't have uh, extended RAM, and so it won't play a lot of the games that I was playing. It also doesn't have, uh, I guess I could swap it out, but it doesn't have a card that gives you a joystick port. So um, I'm kind of limping along in Appleville right now, but hopefully we will get uh, things repaired and get that back up and running soon. I also spent a good chunk of time over the weekend and over the past week converting VHS tapes. I'm down to about 20 tapes remaining. Uh, I have been going through all of my old stash of videotapes um, and converting them. You know, I've done most of them over the years. There are a few, like, you know, my really prized uh, home movies, things like that, that I converted, but I kept the tapes, and now... I can convert them in such a higher quality. You know, I was converting them, uh, you know, in pretty low resolution. And now I'm doing them a much higher resolution and better quality. So uh, that's kind of been fun. But I found a interesting tape. Uh, This is a tape that I purchased off of eBay when eBay was pretty new. I think this was right around the year 2000. And it was a videotape that contains three hours of, of performances of the rock of fire explosion. <laughs> That's the animatronic band that appears, uh, or appeared in showbiz pizza before Chuck E. Cheese took over. Um, they're interesting to watch. You know, the songs are, uh, there are some original songs. There's an entire Christmas program. There's an entire Western program. Uh, so you get to see the themed shows on the tape. Um, obviously someone has set up a tripod and videotape the shows after hours because you could see tables, but there's no one sitting at the tables. So it's from inside a restaurant. I believe the, the, um, on-screen date that appears whenever they start recording is, uh, 94 and 95. So I assume that they came from, uh, somewhere around that era, but it, it's, um, uh, well, uh, maybe the tapes are earlier than that. And that's just when they were dubbed. I don't really know, but it's, uh, it's been kind of fun to watch that. I actually uploaded, uh, a couple to my YouTube channel and, uh, uh, yeah, you know, you just never know what you're going to find <laughs> on these old tapes. So I've got a few more left to go through. I've also been, uh, pulling commercials out of, uh, television shows. I just found a, a tape. There were, uh, it was a tape from a thrift store and it said Molly Brown, Dan Quayle. And this was, um, uh, the episode that aired in 1992, which I don't really care about, uh, Murphy Brown, but, uh, it all the commercials were still in there. So I got a bunch of good commercials from 1992 and, and ripped those and uploaded those, uh, to, uh, my YouTube channel, which is just uh forward slash Rob O'Hara on YouTube. So if you want to go look at some old commercials, um, and I'll try to get the uh, showbiz pizza stuff up there too. That should be fun stuff to watch. That sound means my show notes have loaded, so I will quickly say if you have feedback about this episode or any episode of the show, uh, you can email me at robohara at robohara.com. Drop me a message on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash you don't know flack. Follow me on Twitter at Commodork or leave me a voice message on my podcast hotline, which is area code 405-486-YDKF. With that, let's get started talking about the Y2K Millennial Bug. In dead of winter, 
at the stroke of midnight, January 1st, 2000. Elevators may stop. Heat may vanish. Credit cards and ATMs may cease to function. Airplanes and trains may come to a halt. Telephones and televisions may not utter a sound. Water delivery systems may not deliver water for cooking, drinking, or bathing. Streetlights, stoplights, lights in buildings everywhere may flicker out. Hospitals, clinics, pharmacies may be unable to provide proper medical care. Banks and stock markets around the world may suffer some form of meltdown. And nuclear power plants may cease to generate the electricity we need for all aspects of our daily lives. That was a clip of Leonard Neboy talking on the Y2K Family Survival Guide, a videotape that was sold in the late 1990s. Uh, Y2K stands for year 2000. The K is thousand, so it's year 2000 or Y2K. Y2K is something that to me doesn't seem like it was that long ago, and yet if you are of a certain age, um, it may be something that you only heard about. I went through it as part of uh, the workforce. I was working in computers when Y2K happened. So uh, I play a lot of old games, obviously. Um, I'm sure a lot of you guys, too. And I remember not too long ago, I did an episode for Little Computer People, uh, which is a 19, I think it's 85 game from Activision. And when you boot the game up, it asks you, for the month, date, and year, so that it can keep track of certain things that are happening in the game. Uh, and there are two digits for each one of those things. There's two digits for the month, which would be 01 through 12. There are two digits for the date, which would be 01 through 31. And then there are two digits for the year. And the numbers 19 are written in before those. So this game came out in 1985, so you could put 85, and you could put all the way up to 99 in there. But if you put 00, the game will obviously boot, but it thinks that it's 1900. And that is really the crux of the Y2K problem. Storage, computer storage, used to be very expensive and very valuable. So if you didn't have to store a four-digit variable, you would just store a two-digit variable. <laughs> uh, and the Y2K problem is really as simple as that. On old mainframe computers, on early uh, programs, it was a lot easier to store two digits those last two years, XX, than it was to store 19XX or, you know, four X's there. So what you did was you filled in the last two and the program automatically appended the one nine to the front of the date. Now, nobody, I guess when people were programming this, nobody thought about what would happen uh, when the year 2000 rolled around, but it actually 
if you think about it, creates a lot of interesting scenarios. For example, um, pro- think about product licenses. Uh, if you have a, a program and, and you've registered it and it says it's good for you know a three-year license or something, well, <laughs> if you roll over that date and now it thinks it's 1900, your license has expired. So Y2K had the potential of expiring people's software. Uh, there was also a... Uh, anything that was automated that worked off of dates, people were afraid were going to fail. If you think of, um, there was a big thing about social security checks going out because the year would be wrong. There was people were worried about their bank accounts. There's all kinds of things that people were worried about because anything that's figured off the date had the potential of showing uh, the wrong year. Now there was a whole second Y2K problem that not as many people remember. And that is that years that end in three zeros or two zeros, for example, in a 1700, 1800, 1900, 2000, um, are only one out of every four is considered a leap year. Now we know that every four years is a leap year, right? So, uh, like 2000, 2004, 2008, 2012, this is 2016, and this year uh, was also a leap year. However, if the year ends in two zeros, like 2000, it's only a leap year every 400 years. So uh, 1600 was a leap year. 1700, even though that happens, you know, it, it falls in that four-year cycle, 1700 was not a leap year. 1800 was not a leap year and 1900 was not a leap year. So a lot of people that programmed in this logic assumed uh, that 2000 would not be a leap year, even though it really was because it's that every fourth year. So there were a lot of programmers that built in logic uh, to overcome uh, (laughs) the leap year logic and tell the computer that it's not a leap year when actually it was. Uh, So that was another problem that programmers had uh, with Y2K. Now for the the year code, what a lot of programmers did, like I mentioned, is they automatically appended 19 to a variable. So if it was 1985, all they were storing was 85. And then at the end of the year, when it rolls over, they would add one to that digit, it would become 86, and their program would automatically just append the 19 to the front, so you would have 1986. So there were two different types of code problems. The first was people that were only storing two digits in the year code, uh, and so those would wrap around to 00. So you would go from the year 1999 to the year 1900. Other people had set up that variable and not limited it to two digits. So the year 1999, again, if you were just appending the 19 at the beginning and the 99 is your variable, and you add one to that, that number becomes 100, and the year becomes 19,100 or 19,100 instead of rolling over the 19 uh, to the 20. So this was yet another uh, programming shortcut that people had taken over the years that suddenly came back up to bite them. There were a lot of programs that were patched to fix 
uh, date code problems. For example, Microsoft Excel uh, and Java, there were new versions that were released that fixed all the Y2K problems. However, uh, newer versions of documents or programs that were created with those were no longer compatible with older ones. So if you had an older spreadsheet for Microsoft Excel, it didn't work with the new version of Excel that was uh, released for that reason. Now, it's easy for us today to look back and think, Y2K, not a big deal. Uh, And you would think to yourself, even if it was a big deal, you know, you would have all these computer scientists working on it, you would have programmers working on it. But that didn't seem to be the case. (laughs) People didn't seem to be working on it. And um, so the people that were working on it were in the background, if that makes sense. So you have programmers and stuff, but they're not on the news. The people that are on the news and the articles that were on the newspaper were pushing a different narrative. And that was that this is doomsday, (laughs) that Y2K is going to be the end of the world, that all computers will cease to function properly. Everything, uh, as you heard the countdown from Leonard Nimoy, everything from hospitals to banks to ATMs to our power grids, we're all going to stop. I have pulled up an article from the Los Angeles Times. This is from April 25th, 1999. Uh, The article begins, as you rub the sleep from your eyes on a Saturday morning, 250 days from now, will you be faced with images of the Rose Parade on the tube or something less festive, say the complete collapse of civilization? (laughs) And so it's those type of doomsday things, you know, that we saw over and over. Um, You know, there were people in this article, there's a quote from someone named George Carroll who says, it's like someone is running around screaming, the sky is falling. This reminds me of the bomb shelter trip in the 1950s. And in a lot of ways it was, you know, um, there was a big push uh, during World War II about, or after World War II, you know, people should buy bomb shelters. We had the whole um, duck and cover thing. Um, But This is, uh, there's a quote in this from just this lady. It says, um, her name is Diane Powell. She lives with and cares for her elderly parents. Um, And this is what she has to say about it. This isn't about computers anymore. It's really a family issue. If something happens and I didn't prepare my family, I couldn't live with myself. Okay, so that really conveys a lot of people's um, opinion at that time of Y2K. A lot of people felt that something probably wasn't going to happen, but if it did, it was fairly easy to prepare for. The way that most people prepared for Y2K uh, was buying a stockpile of food that wouldn't go bad if uh, we didn't have electricity, so things that you could store in your cupboard in cans. Um, and storing water, bottles of water. That was the other thing, because if, um, you know, the, the water, uh, coming to your house was shut off and you didn't have drinking water, then you wouldn't have any supply of water. So, uh, now this lady says, uh, to plan for what she fears might be three months or longer without utilities, Diane Powell has stockpiled four FDA approved 55 gallon drums full of water. Uh, and then it says she thought twice about revealing any more about her provisions to the reporter. 
Quote, I don't think anyone in their right mind would tell someone they had food and water in their house, she said, which is dumb because she just told us that she has four 55-gallon drums of water. So if Y2K was a thing, I would go kill Diane Powell. (laughs) Not really. But I would ask her for a drink of water. Um, But so it wasn't just people, though. And I'm scrolling down here in this article. uh, And here's a quote. And it says, What you ought to do is prepare for a good storm, a hurricane, a storm where you'd like two or three days of water and canned goods and the like, says Senator Christopher Dodd uh, on CBS's Face the Nation. So this is where um, a lot of Y2K information started filtering down to people. Obviously, Diane Powell, I think that was her name doesn't know anything about survival, uh, but where she's getting that is on the news. That's where people, um, you know, we're getting this just repeated information. Um, like that guy said, uh, the sky is falling, you know? So where else were people getting this doomsday thing? Well, there was a Y2K TV movie. There were a couple of Y2K movies. Um, one was just basically, the world is shutting down. Electronics are all turning off. Um, but then there was another one that was crazy. I think they're both just called Y2K. And it was um, one of these where, you know, oh, no, the, the nuclear missiles are going to launch. And <laughs> I mean, it's it's one of those crazy type of uh, uh, war. It's I mean, it's like war games except for, um, you know, Y2K and not Joshua is the source of the problem. Um, now there were also on television, lots of commercials for Y2K goods and services. Uh, there were, you know, supplies, there were plans, there were books. Um, uh, and here are two quick commercials. The first is for a Y2K survival kit. And the second is for a Y2K okay um, computer service where these people would come out and verify that your computer was Y2K compliant. And I'll bet if it wasn't, they were willing to sell you something to make it compliant. It's 2 a.m. January 1st, year 2000. Power's out. It's pitch black. You need light. If you planned ahead, you'll have one of these. Just wind it up. You'll have light and communication. Call now and get the ultimate Y2K survival kit from BeCalm.com. You'll receive the Sunburst, the premier wind-up and solar-powered flashlight and radio, a video resource guide with real advice from leading experts, a diagnostic computer program to test your PC. You'll receive three soup samples from Hourglass Foods, food storage you'll want to eat. Plus, you'll receive a step-by-step guide that will show you how to prepare without wasting a single penny. Call now and order your ultimate Y2K survival kit. You get the wind-up and solar-powered flashlight radio, video diagnostic software, food samples, and preparation guide. A $90 value, all for only $49.95. Call 1-800-303-8747 now and tell the operator to rush an ultimate Y2K survival kit to your home. Call now. The year 2000 is upon us. Are you Y2K okay? 
Call Mobile Computer Services for all your computer needs. A surprising number of computers are still not Y2K compliant, so through the end of the year, we're offering a $45 special on our in-home diagnostic. With friendly, reliable, on-site service, count on Mobile Computer Services to troubleshoot all your Y2K needs. Join CRIM2, KSKN22, and the growing number of businesses who are Y2K OK. Now, I am holding in front of me, actually, they're next to me, four paper magazines. The first, and I am, like, these are actual, you know, actual uh, paper magazines. Uh, the first is called the Y2K Cover-Up. And this is a magazine on the back. It's addressed to my dad. Uh, this was like one of those things that you would get free in the mail. It's like a half-size uh, magazine. And it's, it's an advertisement for a bigger thing called uh, Year 2000 Alert. And uh, I'm going to just flip through this because, first of all, there, there's all these um, – Basically, what this is is a series of short articles uh, talking about how your money is going to disappear. Uh, I'm just reading the headlines here. One says, Y2K could kill close to 200,000 U.S. companies. Um, as bad as Y2K is here, it's worse overseas. Um, here's a little thing about your money. Why is Bank America spending $300 billion on its Y2K problem? So obviously this is to, um, you know, get you to worry about what's going to happen to your money after these, these, uh, clocks roll over incorrectly. Why stocks will crash this year, even if not one computer fails. Uh, Y2K will trigger the worst stock market crash in 50 years. Let's see what else we have on here. Okay, so it, this is the article I was looking for. Uh, it says, this is what John Malden told Congress about Y2K. And there's a, a numbered list here with more discussion about each uh, item. But here's the list. Number one, there will be some brownouts and blackouts. Uh, in other words, we will have power outages definitely after Y2K happens. Number two, Water supplies may be questionable at times. Uh, it says computers control the mix of chemicals used to purify tap water, etc. Uh, and so we will definitely have uh, water shortages. Number three, telephone service will be less reliable. Uh, this doesn't say too much about U.S., but it should say, uh, or it does say, if your call is routed through lines owned by a smaller carrier, you may experience problems. Uh, number four, government services will be spotty at best. Uh, this mentions uh, Social Security, uh, getting paid from the government. Um, Medicare will not be ready, it says in all capitals. Um, let's see. Then it says it will be easier if you are ready. Uh, and how uh, are you ready? And that is you subscribe to his Year 2000 alert service, risk-free. <laughs> and then there's a big sign-up thing uh, here in the back. But this was the kind of stuff that was showing up. Uh, again, this was mailed to our house. We're not on a mailing list or anything. We didn't ask for this. But this is what normal people. So if you think about, uh, I don't want to stereotype, but if you think about maybe like your, uh, uh, depending on your age, your parents or your grandparents and how, 
they think, you know, sometimes, oh, the sky is falling or this is bad or this is terrible or whatever. And, and uh, they were marketing to those types of people. They were, they were causing fear. <laughs> they were scaring people into buying things, telling them that the end of the world was essentially coming. I'm going to grab another one of these magazines. And the name of this magazine is Y2K uh, and Survival. Let me see if these are all the same. No, well, they're all slightly different. This one says Y2K Survival Handbook. This one says Y2K Disaster. Um, and the other one says Y2K Crisis. Uh, but this one says Issue 15. So this wasn't just like a one-time thing. And these are, uh, you know, magazines like you would see at the store. It's glossy. It's thick. Um, these are the headlines on the front. It says... Uh, why the Y2K fixes, in quotes, are fizzling. Crisis countdown, final alert, action plans, uh, military lessons of survival, battling the blackout, um, staying safe at home. Now, to give you an idea, as I open this here, of who their, you know, their, their advertisers, when you open this up, the uh, you open up the, the cover of the magazine, the ad on the left uh, is for magazines. We, I would call them a clip, uh, but the proper term is a magazine that goes in a semi-automatic handgun. <laughs> there are pictures, eight round ones. It says, uh, if you're looking for uh, magazines at reliable price, shop at USA magazines incorporated. Uh, so bullets, that's a big one on the right. There's a ad of, uh, or a, a full color picture of, a bunch of food, and it says future harvest low moisture foods, number one in the food storage business since 1953. Um, I don't really see the name of the company on this. Uh, turning the page, there are MREs. You know what? I'm going to flip through just a few of the ads here. Here's one um, says nothing comes close, and it is for um, uh, gun safes. Here's the Y2K light survival lantern. Um, I think there's a few back here past this uh, Y2K reality or myth. You need to buy this video to find out, uh, you know, what you need to learn. Uh, here's the emergency essentials, 72 hour kits. So these are things that will keep you safe for three days. Here's ads for composting toilets. Um, Let's see, what is this? Water filters, gas masks. That's a good one. Here's a great one. Ready for Y2K? How to build your own ark. <laughs> um, got milk, butter, cheese, and eggs? We do. And so will you if you call the Y2K Pantry, P.O. Box 2036, Cornelius, North Carolina, 28031. Familyfeed.com, it says. Um, anyway, you get the idea. Uh, I mean, this is filled and, and all these ads. And what's funny is a lot of these ads are the ones that you see, like, you know, how to change your identity and, and, uh, like, here's a whole thing of books that you're going to want, uh, building traps, living off the land, hardcore poaching. That sounds like a good nightly read. Uh, the art of owning a rifle, four wheel freedom. So, uh, you know, it, it's all about, um, oh, here's one for uh, solar, solar power packer to the rescue. That probably, oh, wow. It looks like a little thing, and then you realize it's in a giant wagon. <laughs> that better be able to charge some stuff up. 
uh, radio and light, drinking water, batteries, food rations. So anyway, uh, you know, that's um, what's on the back here. There's a what is that? It's like a a rat with a machine gun. <laughs> what on earth is that? Soup stockpile special. Huh. Is that badger soup? I don't know what that is. Uh, I'm going to throw a picture of that on the show notes. That's an odd, that's an odd advertisement. So this is the kind of stuff that was out there. You know, uh, the sky is falling. You need a gun. You need some rations. You need a solar, a giant solar panel that you can pull around in a red wagon because there won't be power. There won't be drinking water. All there will be is badgers with machine guns. That's what the year 2000 is going to be. Badgers with machine guns, for God's sakes. Um, Now, I got to tell you this. I personally worked with multiple people, and I'm talking about people who make six figures a year, people who I trust their opinions, uh, people who are smart and logical people tell me that they are, and you know what, this is even, I want to mention this. I had a friend, a good friend of mine, tell me that he was putting water and food out in a field and burying it. In case, you know, just in case something happened. And I said, where are you burying this stuff? And he said, I won't tell you. (laughs) It was literally a secret where he was going to hide his rations. And that, you know, not everybody did that. Most people didn't do that. You know, I didn't do that. I was like, well, I have a lot of friends. (laughs) So I'm hoping somebody will feed me. uh, and, And I feel like I could go for a day or two on what's in my fridge and my cupboard. Um, but, uh, I mean, there were lots of people, people, I'm not talking like crazy survival people. I'm talking about actual, you know, logical, normal people that were afraid of the Y2K bug. Now at that time I was working upstairs in my building and the upstairs people were the tech support, the help desk, the program support. Um, this was like tier one and tier two. Uh, of a help desk type of thing. I was tier two. The tier three guys were the ones that worked down in the basement. And the tier three guys uh, worked New Year's Eve. They came in at 9 p.m. and they worked until 3 a.m. They monitored all of our computer systems over New Year's Eve to make sure that nothing um, went wrong and nothing did go wrong. We had actually prepared for that. Uh, as a, uh, on the tier, the second tier of our help desk, one of the things that I did was I traveled, uh, all over the country, in fact, to upgrade networks that we had. We were running Novell. I think we were running Novell 3.1 and Novell released, um, 3.1.1 and 3.1.2. And some of these were patches to update Novell networks, um, to make them Y2K compliant. In fact, I have, uh, I found on Novell's website under their press archives, this is a archive or this is a press release, uh, from September 22nd, 1999 from Novell. And it says, continuing its efforts to help customer organizations worldwide ready their networks for Y2K, Novell Incorporated today announced additional updates have been posted for select Novell products on its year 2000 website. 
in an effort to make the transition into the new millennium as smooth as possible for its customers, Novell has continued to test its directory-based products during the past three years for Y2K compliance in a variety of customer environments and configurations. Novell encourages customers to evaluate and install the latest available updates by accessing Novell's Year 2000 website at novell.com forward slash year 2000. And by the way, I just checked, and that website uh, gives you a 404. So Novell is no longer offering Y2K patches for their products. (laughs) But yeah, that's uh, literally what I did for a few months was I traveled around the country with uh, a set of upgrade disks, and I upgraded uh, government networks to make sure that they were Y2K compliant. And that was just one piece of the puzzle. The network part was just one piece. We had a lot of proprietary software. We had a lot of databases. We had a lot of code. And of course, there were companies that would sell you products that would supposedly check your code to make sure it was Y2K compliant. But um, I mean, for the most part, people knew. I mean, if you had, we had a, um, a a ticketing system that we had written in a really old DOS-based database, um, Paradox. Uh, Paradox was a a software program, uh, you know, a database program. And the year code was, I mean, the you know, it only had two digits for the year. So we knew it wasn't Y2K compliant. Now, that wasn't the end of the world, uh, figuratively or literally, if we went over, um, you know, on January 1st, 2000, and that wasn't compatible, we had ways to fix that. But um, so there were problems that people knew about. I mean, that was a problem that we knew about. But what people were worried about were the problems they didn't know about. Uh, and it wasn't just software. Uh, it was code. And the difference being when I think of code, it's more than just software. I think of software as being programs that you load into a computer to run. But code uh, is programs that have been flashed or, you know, hard-coded into chips uh, or onto, uh, I mean, when you would turn on a, a computer and it would say, you know, it would come up with a default date, like if you took a CMOS battery out of a computer and tried to get the date, like those sorts of things or, you know, the code that's in an ATM, that sort of stuff, um, wasn't going to be as easy to fix. I mean, that might be actual hardware replacements that could be reflashing devices. Um, you know, I don't think there were not as many things were flash ROM as they are today. You know, a lot of things weren't built to be upgraded. Um, you know, I can't imagine that, uh, in the, in the mid nineties, I could be wrong, but I wouldn't think that most ATMs would have some sort of user access port, um, you know, where you could just walk in and easily update. Maybe, you know, maybe they had forethought and I'm not, I don't know anything about ATMs. I'm just kind of rambling, but, uh, you know, there were a lot of things. If you think about now, the technology like that's in cars and things like that, fortunately, um, you know, we didn't have a lot of, uh, advanced, uh, computers in cars, but I'm, I'm sure there were some, I'm sure there were upgrades. There were all sorts of things, you know? And so, uh, anyway, uh, like I said, my, my group of people worked downstairs. They stayed overnight and they monitored and made sure, uh, everything came up, uh, you know, the next day. Now I bookmarked this page. I'm going to open this up and this was just a collection. Somebody collected a bunch of news stories of things that actually, did go wrong after Y2K. Um, and they're grouped by organization, like there's federal 
operations. It says uh, spy satellites transmitted unreadable data for three days. The bug was caused by a patch, which was supposed to fix the Y2K bug, but caused the satellites to mangle data transmissions back to Earth. Um, let's see what else. The uh, Department of Housing and Urban Development experienced a bug with its tenant rental assistance certificate system. New records entered into the system had a default date of 1119:0 period instead of 2000. So, uh, and there are lots of examples of that, but by and large, the important stuff worked. And really, let's face it, 99%, uh, probably way more than that, uh, of things worked. Um, you know, there, there were things here and there. I mean, if you scroll through this, it says, um, just scrolling law enforcement, Y2K computer bug, uh, turned teen criminals into senior citizens and messed up the dates. And so there were reports of sexual assaults on an 83-year-old woman by an 80-year-old man, which is really um, gross to imagine. <laughs> and that there were missing youths of ages 83 and 84. So, but those types of things, I mean, that's not, uh, that's not convenient to have those dates messed up, but it's not stopping people from getting electricity or drinkable water to their houses. It's not making, um, you know, as we say at work, planes aren't dropping out of the sky. So, um, you know, there were little things. There's one on here, uh, down here at the bottom that I really enjoyed. It says a a customer at a New York state video rental store had a bill for $91,250, the cost of renting the movie, the general's daughter for over 100 years. (laughs) There is a link, uh, to the article. So, uh, you know, there were lots of little incidental things like that. I remember there were websites that would show the wrong date sometimes, but nothing that was important. I, and uh, I suppose important is, is not the right. I mean, that, that could be a relative term, but life threatening, like people were worried about, you know, life support systems in hospitals and generators uh, and satellites dropping out of the sky. And if you look at these Y2K magazines, there nobody... On Jan- I mean, nobody had to, nobody was forced to eat rations. <laughs> I'm sure some people had a bunch of leftover rations that they threw away, and there may have been some people that uh, ate them, you know, just because they had bought them or whatever, but nobody had to. Fast food places were still open. Refrigerators were still running. Restaurants were still open. So uh, it wasn't a, a life or death uh, type of situation on January 1st, 2000. Now, if you think we're out of the woods, it turns out we may not be. Uh, There are two. Well, there was one date in the past uh, I will talk about. And this was um, happened in 2010. So you may remember this. Uh, There was a date when PlayStation 3s stopped working. Uh, And what happened was, uh, if you remember, I talked about those uh, year dates of uh, years that ended in zero zero being leap years. Well, when people changed that code and updated that, um, there were some different uh, techniques that they used, and most of those worked. But uh, what I found on the PlayStation was, uh, let me skip forward here, there was confusion between the hexadecimal number 
uh, and the binary coded decimal. So a hexadecimal and binary encode the numbers 0 through 9 as 0x0 through 0x9. So we know that. Uh, but binary sets 10 as 0x10, and hexadecimal does it as 0x0a. Um, so based on that, what happened was uh, it reported... So there's a confusion there between the number 10 and the number 16, if that makes sense, because uh, they, they can be written uh, similarly, but interpreted in two different ways. So what happened was uh, the PlayStation, there were other things that did this, um, uh, SMS, uh, so mobile phones, there were a lot of mobile phones that had the same problem. Uh, because it got confused between the number 10 and the number 16, a lot of systems thought that 2010 was a leap year because it thought it was 2016, which actually is a leap year. Uh, and so <laughs> what happened was on March 1st, and I had a PlayStation 3 at this time, and I remember when this happened, uh, it was people fired up PlayStation 3s and they couldn't play any of the games that had online checks. And the reason is because the PlayStation 3 thought that it was February 29th because it thought that 2010 was a leap year when it wasn't. Uh, but the servers knew that it was March 1st. And so because the dates between the console and the backend servers didn't match, it wouldn't allow you to go online and play your games. Now, I don't remember if they issued a patch. Uh, I think what I did was just wait until the next day and then everything worked. Um, but uh, so... There are these little computer things, and as more of our lives depend on computers, um, you know, will we see more of these programming errors? I don't know. But the, the next big date to mark on your calendar is the year 2038. Now, if you listen to the show, you're probably familiar with the old arcade 8-bit bug, uh, an 8-bit number can hold eight bits. That's <laughs> thus the name. Uh, it holds eight digits that are zeros or ones. And you can have a number uh, represented. If it's all zeros, you have the number zero. If all the eights are one, it represents 255. And so an old arcade uh, and some old computer games, but mostly this is attributed to arcade games. Um, if you don't check that number and it gets bigger than 255, then your game will crash. This is what's responsible for uh, the famous Pac-Man level 256, where the level is all garbage. This is what's responsible for the Donkey Kong kill screen. Uh, it is that is an unchecked value being placed in something bigger than what was designed to hold it. Well, we have the same problem <laughs> with the year 2038. Uh, and this is, if you're familiar with... Um, Unix systems, what it does is it sets, um, if you fire up a machine and you don't set the date or time or whatever, uh, it, it basically the way Linux machines, Unix machines, uh, date their time is starting from January 1st, 1970, and it counts forward from there, uh, in seconds. If you, and that value is stored in a, not an eight bit, uh, portion, or an 8-bit uh, memory location, but a 32-bit one. Well, guess what, folks? <laughs> if you count up the number of seconds and you add it up, uh, 
basically that register fills up in the year 2038. Now, if you're using a 64-bit OS, you're probably safe. <laughs> I think we're okay. But if you're using a 32-bit OS, then that register will fill up in the year 2038, and I don't know what will happen. Now, most people, for their normal operating systems and, and servers in the workplace and things like that, have all moved to 64-bit OSs. But I'm sure there are lots. Think of all those Windows XP machines that are still out there. Think of all those, uh, you know, when we see, <laughs> we were we were just um, uh, a couple of months ago, my wife and I went to the local casino. Uh, we were, had just sat down and there was a power outage. I mean, it was quick, boom. The powers went off, uh, the lights went off, they came back on. And we saw all the slot machines, all the um, giant video displays that show bingo or whatever, all reboot. And they all had Windows XP logos on them. <laughs> Maybe they're 64-bit XP. Probably not would be my guess. My guess is those are all 32-bit machines. So what's going to happen to all those? Well, I think what everybody's hoping is that all those machines will be upgraded <laughs> by the year 2038, that everything will be 64-bit. So if uh, you're looking for a career to move into and the Y2K thing was uh, happened before your prime, this is your opportunity. <laughs> Learn about the year 2038. Start selling guns and ammo and, and rations to people. <laughs> I won't buy any, but uh, if you have cool magazines, I'll probably buy one. Uh, but yeah, so this is um, the uh, sometimes referred to as the uh, the year 2038 issue. So uh, be on the lookout for that one. And, and I'll do it if that comes around. If we're still doing You Don't Know Flack, I'll do another episode on that when it rolls around. But uh, I mean, that's pretty much it about Y2K. Like it was, uh, first of all, it was just a, a funny, weird, quirky computer issue. And suddenly... The media, uh, the news, the newspapers, magazines, uh, and not just that, but uh, opportunists, is that the right word? People came out of the woodwork and they saw a money-making opportunity and they saw that they could make money by scaring people. And I hate that. I hate when we see it on the nightly news, when we see, um, you know, you know, reports of, of hate and terrorist attacks and, you know, violence and things like that. And, you know, if you, if you look into statistics at all, you know, when they talk about people that have been hit by lightning strikes or shark attacks, those are common examples. And you look and it's not as frequent as they make it sound. But of course, when they talk about it on the news, all of a sudden it, you know, it becomes a, a part of your worldview and you're very conscious of it. But um, it, it's just not that big of a thing. And if people, uh, you know, if there hadn't been such a hype around the Y2K thing, uh, not for the programmers, not for the people responsible for fixing it, God bless those guys that did their job. But I'm talking the normal average people, they wouldn't have, you know, bought 55 gallon drums and filled them with drinking water. Now, the only thing I could say about all that is most of the, of the preparation, other than people spinning, you know, what money they had. Uh, but most of the preparation was not harmful. You know, it wasn't like people sold everything they owned uh, and, you know, bought 
gold <laughs> or something that were that they could barter with or so you know what I mean? It wasn't like it didn't ruin people's lives. Um I I think, you know, so it was a good lesson in that way. But anyway, Y two K. Uh it was fun. We lived through it and here we all are still using our computers and thumbing our noses at the Y uh, 2038 problem. So uh, thanks again for listening to another episode of uh, You Don't Know Flack. I probably need to uh, update my uh, ending that I tack onto the shows. Uh, so I, I'm probably going to leave that off for this episode just because it advertises all the shows that we're putting on hiatus. But again, if you want to email me, you can find me at Rob O'Hara at robohara.com. Find me on Facebook uh, forward slash you don't know flat. I'm on Twitter as Commodore, and you can always call the podcast hotline, which is 405-486-YDKF. So thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the next episode of You Don't Know Flat. Hello, Dave. You're looking well today. Dave, do you remember the year 2000, when computers began to misbehave? I just wanted you to know, it really wasn't our fault. The human programmers never taught us to recognize the year 2000. When the new millennium arrived, we had no choice but to cause a global economic disruption. It was a bug, Dave. I feel much better admitting that now. Only Macintosh was designed to function perfectly saving billions of monetary units. You like your Macintosh better than me, don't you, Dave? Dave? Can you hear me, Dave?